Desmond Cole on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, yo. Happy Thanksgiving Sunday to those of you who are observing and celebrating and probably eating a lot. But thank you for taking time out of your Sunday to join the program. Coming up a little later on, friend of the show, Denise Burnett, will be here to talk about a diversity conference that she's hosting in the Durham region. I'll be taking part in that, actually. We'll be talking about that later. We can't get through the hour without talking about Donald Trump. I've been trying these months not to do it. I think I've been doing pretty well. Um, But on the heels of what people think might be the turning point uh, in the United States election and a moment when people can no longer support Donald Trump, I think we need to broaden the conversation about his misogynistic well, life. So we'll get to that a little later on in the program, too. Uh, First off, though, something interesting happened this week. I was reading through the news, as I often do, and I saw my name being mentioned in a story, not a story, not a news story, but in 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 an opinion piece that was written by somebody who's actually here with me in studio right now. This is a person who was writing about getting mistaken for me. Uh, he's not me, and to prove it to you, in studio with me right now, writer and poet Philip Dwight Morgan. Hello. Hey there. Welcome to News Talk 1010. Thanks, it's great to be here. Yeah, so it was a bit surreal for me, and I started reading through this piece where you were describing being at an event, and there was some mistaken identity going on, so why don't you take it from there and tell us what happened to you? Well, this was about maybe three weeks ago or so, And I had done an interview with Amy Goodman from Democracy Now!, uh, which for me was just a huge highlight. I'm a huge admirer of her work. And so after the interview, she was giving a public talk, and I was at the public talk. And as I was exiting, I heard someone say, hey, Desmond, Desmond. So I looked around because I thought, you know, I've I've read your work, I've seen you around. So I thought, I didn't see Desmond here. (laughs) And then I turned around, and the person was looking at me. And they came up, and they said, hey, Desmond, how are you doing? And... At this point, I just, I was in disbelief. So I kind of just looked at him and I said, I'm not Desmond. I'm a writer, but I'm not Desmond. And then he just looked really sort of sheepish and said, oh, I'm I'm sorry. And and backed out of the crowd. Now, you said in the piece that you wrote for rabble.ca that this is actually not the first time this has happened to you. Definitely not the first time and and probably not the last, actually. Um, (laughs) So I was reading this and I just thought, this is like, it, it, like I said, it was surreal to be reading about this, but really what touched me about what you wrote, Philip, was you went on to talk about how you feel as though there isn't room in the Canadian and Toronto media landscapes for more than one black person at a time to have an opinion. That was really the thesis, the heart of what you wrote. Mm-hmm. Get into that for me. So, I mean... I think this is this extends beyond the media landscape and also to the literary landscape. I also write poetry, and it seems like there's only room for a very select number of voices. And the issue with this is that, one, it just doesn't even cover a fraction of the, the voices that are out there, and two, it, push, it puts pressure on writers to pander to white audiences because, you know, you want to make your writing palatable so that you can get in one of those two or three or five or however many spaces it is that exists. So it just, it really diminishes the, the quality of writing as people feel pressured to, to make their writing palatable to white audiences. Now this is, I, and I want to get strictly to this idea of trying to write for white audiences in a second, but this is interesting to me because 
a lot of people fight against what they perceive as being quotas, right? Employment equity, some people call affirmative action in the United States, and they say, it's not fair, you're just hiring somebody because of the way that they look. You're actually flipping that and saying that because of the way you look, you're less likely to be hired if they already have somebody who looks like you. Exactly. Yeah, I don't, like, I, I don't really know what to add to that. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's a real problem in media. So, you know, this is a piece in rabble.ca and you talk a lot about ideological and social identities, right? That vary amongst the black community. In other words, we don't all think the same way. We don't have all the same opinions. What is it that you focus in, in your writing? Who are you when you're presenting your work to your audiences? What are you trying to talk about? Yeah, so I, I'm in the process of, of finishing a PhD right now. And through that PhD, I've had access to a lot of sort of, a lot of worlds that I didn't, I wouldn't otherwise. I grew up in a working class family in Scarborough, like working lower middle class family in Scarborough. And I grew up in a nuclear family, but it was interesting because it was kind of an inversion of the traditional gender, gender roles. I had a stay at home father and my mother was the breadwinner. And so when I'm writing, I'm trying to capture some of these experiences that don't sort of exist in the mainstream narrative. You know, it's like we hear about black people coming from broken families. We hear about the sort of thug archetype or whatever. We don't hear about the black scholar trying to navigate worlds that are predominantly white and not, and not particularly hospitable to, to black ideas, to black bodies. Um, so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to write about those, those worlds, my experience through my poetry and through my, through my opinion pieces. Philip Dwight Morgan is a writer and a poet who got my attention with this recent piece in rabble.ca. You can see it online. The piece is entitled, There is room in Toronto for more than one black writer. We should certainly hope so. Um, would it be fair for me to assume that a lot of your ideas about creating space for black voices has to do with your experiences as a grad student? Um, that's part of it, but it's just, it's, it's not just, it's that, but it's also just my life. I mean, there, there are so many spaces that I've been excluded from and I can, you know, trace it back to, to preschool. Um, you know, my first day of grade one, uh, a teacher asked me, you know, what language do you speak at home? And, and foolishly, I said Jamaican, because I, I assume my, my family's from Jamaica, they speak Jamaican. And I was promptly escorted to an ESL class. And that was on day one of grade one. Wow. So, I mean... I'm talking about grad school, but I'm really just talking about my whole life. Yeah, I mean, I guess we all uh, either have as black people or know people who have had the kind of experiences that you're talking about where we're looked at differently in the places that we find ourselves in, whether it be school, whether it be um, in the workplace. How do you think that then institutions can be kind of more aware of what you're talking about and start to make space for people? Well, I think we have to sort of try to distance ourselves from this idea of the spokesperson. Um, it's it's really tempting to have one go-to voice, you know. Oh, if we just if we just hire you know Phil, or if we just hire so and so, then we have the the one blurb that we need on blackness in Toronto. And the thing is that that just doesn't do justice to the experiences out there. I can't speak to women, black women's experiences in Toronto, or trans experiences in Toronto, et cetera, et cetera. So we need more representation. So, 
you know, what can media outlets do? They can start hiring more people. They can hire a broader range of people because it's not enough to have one, you know, one black, you know, cisgendered heterosexual male, one of this person. We need just a broader spectrum. Who did you read growing up that influenced you doing the kind of work that you want to do now? Um, so I am a loyal devotee of Cornell West. I love Cornell West a lot. Um, also Bell Hooks, Toni Morrison, Maya Angelou, uh, Amiri Baraka. Mm. Just a lot of sort of, uh, a lot of people in that sort of black prophetic tradition. Mostly American. Mostly American, yeah. What does that say? Uh, well, exa- well, it speaks to this, is- is this exact issue. Yeah, there's, there's, we really could do a lot better in terms of representing black identity and black expression in, in Canada, for sure. Absolutely. You, you and I were also just talking before we came into the studio about this issue of all these videos that we keep seeing and the trauma of seeing black suffering on television. Is this something that you've read, written about too? Because it sounds like it's something you think about a lot. Yeah. Well, um, you know, as I was starting to sort of mention to you before we started doing this, I just find myself exhausted from seeing these videos and the emotional, the emotional impact that it has of, of seeing people gunned down in the streets by police. And what I'm finding now with writing more about race is people are coming to me and they're saying, hey, Phil, you know, I have this question about race. Can you talk to me about it? And between the effort, the emotional energy of putting myself out there in my pieces and then watching these videos, I, th- I don't have the capacity to then teach people and be the instructor, you know? Like, there's only so much I can do. So I'm just finding that I'm, I'm just at wit's end. I'm just burnt out from just how sad the world has become, how, how traumatic seeing this violence is. Well, I hope that this conversation gives you a little bit more life and a little bit more recharge. His name is Philip Dwight Morgan. He's a writer. He's a poet. You can check out his latest on rabble.ca. The title of the piece is There is Room in Toronto for More Than One Black Writer. I really thank you for spending some time with us on the air today, Philip. Thanks a lot. Pleasure to be here. Okay. When we come back, if you are a man and you're shocked by Donald Trump's most recent revealed comments, if you're shocked, I think you're probably not being honest with yourself. And you're listening to Desmond Cole on News Talk 1010. Yeah. Welcome back to the program. Um, I'm sure you've heard by now, if you've been paying any attention to media this weekend, uh, that Donald Trump is really on the defensive. Uh, what makes this situation, I think, different maybe from others about Donald Trump is that the Republican nominee for president of the United States of America is a racist, is transphobic, is misogynist, says things about indigenous people that are unconscionable. We all know that by now. Um, But he never apologizes, right, for any of the things that he says. Um, He feigned an apology this weekend uh, after Access Hollywood released some video and audio of him from 2005. He's on a bus talking to uh, a host of the show 
and they don't know that their mics are on. So they're about to get off the bus for a soap opera that Donald Trump is supposed to do, and they're being mic'd up, and they don't realize that they're being mic'd up. So they're having a conversation with each other, and you can have a listen. We've bleeped out the objectionable parts, but you can have a listen to what Donald Trump is saying when he thinks that no one is listening. You know, and she used to be great. She's still very beautiful. I moved on her, actually. You know, she was down on Palm Beach. I moved on her, and I failed. I'll admit it. Whoa. I did try and f her. She was married. <laughs> huge news, Sarah. Oh, no, Nancy. Yeah. No, this was... And I moved on her very heavily. In fact, I took her out furniture shopping. She wanted to get some furniture. I said, I'll show you where they have some nice furniture. <laughs> I took her out furniture. I moved on her like a bitch, but I couldn't get there. And she was married. And all of a sudden, I see her. She's now got the big phony and everything. She's totally changed her look. She's your girl's hot as shit. In the purple. Whoa! Whoa. Yes! Whoa! <laughs> yes, the Donald has scored! Whoa! <laughs> oh, my man! Wait, wait, you gotta look at me when Just you get out of your life. That is very Will you give me the thumbs up? Okay, you are a piece. You gotta put the thumbs up. <laughs> you gotta okay. get the thumbs up. Okay, Can't be too happy. Can I gotta use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. You can do anything. You can do anything, says Donald Trump. You can grab a woman by her genitals. He uses a word that I'm not allowed to use here on the air, but that's what he says. Grab them by the pee. He says, you know, I just go in and kiss women before they're even ready because you're a star. When you're a star like Donald Trump, you can do that, he says. He explains this. And in the beginning part of that clip, of course, he's also bragging about trying to have sex with a woman who is not his newly wed wife, Melania Trump. Uh, nothing new in any of this. Nothing new. Absolutely not. Except for the fact that because this was caught so graphically on audio, uh, Donald Trump felt the need to come out and kind of fake an apology. He did one of those, you know, if anybody was offended, I apologize kind of things. But what has been so entertaining, uh, I don't want to use that word, let me back up. What has been so, I think, telling about the responses from Trump supporters and from men in general, because lots of people who don't like Donald Trump are weighing in on this in very interesting ways. And men are saying, well, that's just how guys talk. You know, it's locker room talk. Yeah, and I agree. That is how men talk. Men talk about wanting to sleep with women or touch women or do things to women who don't want to do anything with them. That is how men talk. Men talk about controlling women, getting women to do things that they want to, using authority and power over women. That is, that is how men talk. Absolutely. But it's also how we act. Okay? In that audio that you just heard, Donald Trump is bragging about things that he's already done to women. That he's forced himself on women. That he grabs women by their genitals because he's a star. And stars can do that. And I have been amazed at all of the reactions of men who say, well, that's just talk. There's another set of men, by the way, who don't want to acknowledge that any man ever talks like this. And they're saying, well, 
I, I can't believe that Donald Trump is saying these things as if they've never heard their own friends and colleagues saying the exact same kind of stuff. There's nowhere, folks, that I've ever lived. There's nowhere that I've ever worked where I have not heard this kind of language being used about women. Nowhere. It's never happened in my whole life. And all the men out there who are pretending today that Donald Trump's comments that got so openly exposed that this is new or shocking language to them, you're lying. You're lying. Men, you are lying. And your lies are part of the reason why when women actually report, not that somebody said this about them, but that a person did this to them, that's why you don't believe them. That's why you want to ask 100,000 questions about what happened and where and when and why the woman didn't protect herself. Now, it's not only women that suffered this kind of sexual abuse at the hands of men, sexual assault at the hands of men. It's also people who identify as being genderqueer, non-binary. Misogyny also hurts them and also exposes them to this kind of violence. This is so common in our society. I mean, almost half of women in Canada report over the course of their lifetime that they've experienced sexual assault. So how is it so foreign to all the men? How are men out here pretending that they have never heard these kinds of comments? That they don't know this type of language? You guys hear it and you just don't say anything. And you have to acknowledge that. Because if we're going to start to create safer spaces for people who experience this kind of sexual abuse and harassment, well, we have to begin with ourselves. We have to begin with our own workplaces. We have to begin with our own friend groups. We have to look around some of the people that we call friends when they use language like this and wonder why we tolerate it. Because I think maybe it might be hard with some of the extreme language that Donald Trump uses for people to say, I can relate to that. But everybody can relate to Billy Bush, the guy who can be heard egging Donald Trump on while he says the stuff instead of stepping away. And that's all I have to say about that. My good friend, Denise Burnett, she's a former radio host herself, actually, so we're going to have a good conversation when we come back with Desmond Cole on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Cole is on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Yes, I am. Welcome back to the program. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. 4.32 in the city of Toronto. Currently 12 degrees. And tonight is that night as you are uh, perhaps full of turkey and, and leaving wherever you are to go home that I hope you're bundled up. It's going to get down to a measly one degree this evening, frost warning, all of that fun stuff. It's been an incredible ride through summer and early fall with unseasonably warm temperatures. We may get back up to that a little bit midweek, but for now, bundle up. Yeah, I know, I know, I feel you. Trust me. You know, last week on the show, I talked briefly about a story that I witnessed walking down the street a story 
about a young black guy who I saw walking on the street and he was stopped by police. He has hands up in the air. And I was upset because the police seemed to be running this young person's name. And I saw them search him for reasons that I really could not understand. The video of this encounter that I'm talking about and the aftermath of it when I started asking the police questions is posted on Newstalk1010.com. Um, I talk about these kinds of stops all the time because I believe that they are a violation of our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Now, we like to frame these issues as a debate. And so apparently people think that you can debate what somebody's rights are. And so I always get people calling me and texting me and saying, Desmond, I don't believe you. I think you're wrong. Let the police do what the police need to do. Well, perhaps then you should, as they say, tell it to the judge. This is a story from late Thursday in Toronto Sun by Michelle Mandel. Judge slams Toronto cops and acquits drug dealer. This is a story about a guy who spent five years in jail and had a retrial after he had served his five years in jail where the judge said that he was acquitted of all charges, acquitted for the charges that he had already served five years in jail for. Why? Because the judge said that the police were guilty of racial profiling, and he suggests that they may even have planted the drugs that were found inside the man's Jaguar when they stopped him on August 21st, 2008. So, you know... When these stories come up, I know a lot of people try, like to feel like this is a one-off. This is just a weird circumstance. And Desmond, you don't even really know what happened. I, I do know what happens in these cases. And apparently this judge understands it as well. Now I want you to think about what happened to this man. This is a 28-year-old man who, yes, had been convicted on charges before. So the police were following him around. And the police decided one day that they wanted to stop this man, but they didn't really have a reason. They stopped him anyway. They, uh, he was going back to his car, uh, and they stopped him. One officer comes, a second officer comes. Before you know it, there are multiple officers there. And the judge says, you had no real reason to stop this guy. In fact, the judge said that the police provided different reasons as to why he was stopped. The man was chased. He was tackled. He was searched at least three times, two at the scene and one at 14 Division. His vehicle was searched with no warrant and no grounds to support a need to do so, the judge said. So... This is the problem that a lot of people have, and this is the situation of policing that we're in right now in Toronto, is that people think that, well, if the police knew that this guy may have been a criminal in the past, won't we want them to stop him? Shouldn't we want police to go after people like that, to look in on people like that, to follow them around, maybe search them every once in a while? And, and when the police say, by the way, that they can't do carding anymore which is not true because they're still doing it every day. This is actually what they're talking about. They're saying that we are no longer allowed to stop somebody for no reason and search them. 
But of course, they've never been allowed to do that because it's against the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So this man was hit with 17 charges, including possession of a loaded restricted firearm found hidden in his car and possession of cocaine and marijuana for the purposes of trafficking. Now, the judge put doubt about whether or not the drugs were actually the man's or if the police themselves had planted these drugs. That's a judge saying it. It's not me. But the man has already spent five years in jail. So whatever the judge has decided now, it doesn't get him back those five years. But I think it's really, really, really important for people to understand that you have a charter and that your charter rights actually don't go away because, for example, the police say, well, I got to check this guy out, but I'm scared. I got to check this guy out, but he may be carrying a weapon and I don't know what he's going to do. That was the excuse in the story that I reported last week was that somebody had called in a stabbing and the police, well, you know, they were just trying to make sure that they were safe and that they were all right. And so they decided that in case the guy who called in the stabbing himself, in case he was the person that had stabbed somebody, even though there was no evidence that anybody had been stabbed, well, maybe let's just search him. We want to be safe and we want to go home to our families. It doesn't work like that. The law says that you actually have to have a reason and your reason has to relate to a specific crime that the person that you're searching is committing or is likely to be about to commit. Just because the police in any given situation say, man, I'm really scared of this guy and I don't know what he's going to do. That doesn't mean that the person's charter rights disappear. And so in the case of this man, who's now 28 years old and spent five years in jail, his name is Nosakare Ahenhen. He lost five years of his life because the police made up a story about him. And the judge thinks that the police might have even planted the things that were found in his car to give him a conviction. The thing that I find most remarkable about this, though, is that there's absolutely nothing that can be done in the aftermath about a story like this. Now that we know that a judge believes that police in our city were capable of stopping a guy for no reason, chasing him down to the ground, tackling him, searching him three times, including once at the police station and searching his car without a warrant. Now that we know that those dudes did that, we even know their names because they had to show up in court to answer for their actions. No action is going to be taken legally against them until, of course, this man sues them, which it sounds like he's about to do. He's going to file a civil lawsuit. So then the police will hire the best lawyers in the world. And they will try to defend their officers about why they did this. But they won't face criminal charges. They won't face criminal charges for violating his civil rights. They won't face criminal charges for the judge's conclusion that they planted drugs in the guy's car. They just get to go back to work as they've been doing every day since 2008 when this happened. There are ongoing consultations happening right now around things like the Special Investigations Unit, which investigates police, which doesn't happen in a case like this, because this is not in the SIU's mandate. But there's also the Ontario Independent Review of Police Directorate, the OIPRD. And right now the government is taking suggestions about how to reform a body like that. Maybe you could start with getting rid of officers 
who violate people's rights and plant illegal drugs on them and take five years out of their lives. I don't know. Maybe you could start there, OIPRD. Maybe that might restore a little bit of the trust that people have lost in their police. My friend Denise Burnett is with me in studio and will join us when we come back. You're with Desmond Cole on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. The In-Depth Conversation continues with Desmond Cole on News Talk 1010. Oh, yeah. I've been looking at this. I'm looking forward to this one here for a little while now. It is Desmond Cole on End of Radio News Talk 1010. And if you ever miss an episode of this program, then just go to Newstalk1010.com and you can find a list of all of our shows. And uh, there is a podcast for every single one of these episodes of this particular program. So please check that out. I'm real, real excited to have a dear friend in studio with me right now. She's actually a former radio host herself, including serving some time on the night side at what we used to call the old CFRB here in Toronto. I'm not saying you're old. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Denise Burnett is my guest. She's a dear, dear friend of this program. And uh, she's here to talk in part about a new diversity conference that's happening East of here in the Durham region in Pickering. Yes, that's so true. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank I'm, you so much for having me. I am real happy that this is happening. I am really happy too. <laughs> this is cool. Thank it, you. It is. So for our listeners, Denise and I go back many, many, many years uh, to your work as a youth worker yes. just down the road here in the city of Toronto. That's right. You're still doing this work. I am still doing this work. Not so much with youth now, more so much with adults, but definitely still doing that type of work. Serving the homeless, serving the people who are underhoused, serving That's people right. who are dealing with uh, uh, drug addiction and mental health issues. Yes. Why do you do this work? Why do you continue to do this oh, work? Oh, Desmond, why are you going to put me on the spot? I, to- I-, I told you I was going <laughs> to before we came in here. I don't know. I've been doing it um, most of my life. I think uh, my my mom has a lot to do with that in the sense of we're always supposed to help each other. It shouldn't be when everything's okay. I should be there as a friend, but I should also be there when things are not so great. Um, and I started out working in Toronto public housing, uh, working with young people that were living in communities that are now considered at risk. Uh, they're grown. I grew up in that. Um, I'm grown. And so I think it was just a natural thing for me to continue doing, um, to work in social services and help those that were less fortunate. Because I was always healthy and I always had a roof over my head and my mom always took care of us. Unfortunately, I lost my dad when I was 12, but my mom was always there. And so I I grew up seeing people that didn't always have that. Mm -hmm. And so it was easier to stretch out a hand because sometimes the only difference was that I knew where my next dollar was coming from, be that by a paycheck, Um, but they didn't. And so what would it take off of me to give that guy on the corner that dollar? Without judgment, it's a dollar. I give it to you because I know that next week or on the 15th or the 30th of the month, I will have a paycheck and I do have a roof and I do have uh, somewhere to to call home. Um, I think it's unfortunate that we live in a country where nine months out of the year we're freezing um, and I can only imagine what that would look like uh, if it was me. A mm. lot of us that go to work every single day 
or a paycheck away. You lose your job, you lose your housing. Where are you going to go? So it was a natural thing for me to always be helpful. That's how how I was raised, and it just turned into this career. <laughs> you have such a voice for the radio. <laughs> Thank you. I know a lot of people have asked me, "When am I going back? When are you going back?" So when are you going back? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm at a different phase of my life right now. Um, both of my children are grown. Um, I have grandchildren now. You just became a grandmother. I did for the second time. Uh, baby Isaac was born on the 14th of September, and I have a beautiful granddaughter that's seven years old. I'm, you know, I think I'm like good wine. I've matured, and I'm not sure um, what I would do or talk about on radio because if I look back over my life, I see where a lot of the topics that we were talking about 20 years ago, a lot of the direction in which we were trying to get to as a community, mm. um, it's being repeated. You're, you're a living example of that. Some of the topics that you're talking about on your show today, we spoke about 20 years ago. And, that, and the so, same problems persist. That's right. And so what do I talk about today without being angry you know, because back then as a black woman, if you were out there advocating against social injustice, you you were clearly angry. So today I'm not angry. So if there's somebody out there that wants to do a show with a non-angry black woman, <laughs> I'm all about that. <laughs> um, but you have turned your attention more recently to talking about inclusion and talking about um, diversity, talking about racism. Right. And you're doing this specifically uh, in a conference that's coming up um, in Pickering. Right. You have entitled it cleverly, Not Just Another Diversity Conference. That's right. It's not just another diversity conference. And I'll tell you a little bit about that. So I, I one of my jobs or my hats that I've worn in my life was I was the director of training for diversity and social inclusion at a nonprofit organization. And while there, I attended hundreds of conferences and facilitated hundreds of sessions. And I thought, hmm, they come for the cream cheese, <laughs> the Philadelphia cream cheese. They come for all the reasons except for why they should come. And when they come, it's like, oh, it's just another diversity conference. And I thought, no, it can't be like that. We've gone through affirmative action, employment equity. We've gone through all of these different phases to talk about or give people an opportunity to work and make a living. We're now on diversity. And so I want to do something that says, no, it's not just another diversity conference. This conference makes you uncomfortable because it allows you to look within yourself. Um, we all have biases. I have them, you have them, John has them, Tom has them, we all have them. Until we address them, understand where they come from, we'll never get rid of them. I'm never saying that we're ever gonna get rid of racism, but we can at least try and understand it, right? Walk a mile in my shoe. Let me share my story with you and you share yours with mine. And let's do a comparison so that you can now understand where I'm coming from and I can understand where you're coming from. And that the end result is the same, that we have to live in this world collectively together. Now, uh, this is uh, the second one of these conferences yes, that you've it is. done. And I'm very grateful that you have invited me to Most definitely. attend once again. So just for our listeners to know, I, I do have a stake in this because <laughs> I am going to be there. That's so right. if it's if, if if it's horrible, then I'm I'm probably gonna hear about it too. But it's not, it's not gonna be horrible. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, it's gonna be good. But um last year I noticed that you went out of your way to invite local 
elected officials yes. who are in Durham region. Yes. Why did you think that was important? Well, they're, they've had to adjust in Durham region, right? Durham region, mainly a Caucasian town, um, has now become this sleuth of diversity. There are people in Ajax, Pickering, Whitby, and Oshawa of all different nationalities. And our children are there. And school teachers have had to learn how to work with children from diverse cultures and or communities. I thought that the elected officials were the ones that needed to know this because we're going to be the ones that are voting too, right? Mm -hmm. And so you need to know who your constituents are. You need to know what they're experiencing within your constituency. And 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 that's why we actually did that invite. And, I, and I'm doing it again. We're sending out the same um, invitation to the uh, councillors in Pickering and Rouge Hill. Um, and anyone here in Toronto that wants to come and learn about what we're doing out there and how what we're doing can help you, you're more than welcome to to attend. It's important that everybody understands it. You can't have 10 people understanding it and 50 people not. It'll never get anywhere. We'll never we've never really had that in-depth conversation about racism and race. And diversity acknowledges race as a dimension. It's a dimension of diversity as is age, as is gender. But until we can get over the race thing, we're never going to be able to touch the age thing, the the uh, gender thing. We're never really going to be able and, to do it. And they work in concert with That's one another, right? right? Exactly. Um, Denise Burnett is my guest, and she is a social services worker, former radio host, including here at News Talk 1010. We go back a long ways, and so it's it's very very exciting just for me to even sit in the same studio oh, with you. Too kind. No, I'm for real. <laughs> do you still listen to the radio? Yes, I do. I'm very selective now, though, of what I listen to. Um, I listen a lot online, um, and I do listen to you. Oh, you better say that on this radio station. <laughs> I do listen to you. <laughs> I listen to some community radio. I, I'm, I've always been grassroots. I'll always you came, continue you, you came to up be on, grassroots. Uh, on, on CIUT, on yes, University Community Yes, I did. Yes, radio. I did. I started out there with a program called Caffeine Free uh, that aired on Thursday mornings from 9 to 10.30. Um, from there, I went to Black Roots Radio, which was um, CIUT also from 6 to 9. Did the midnight side here and some stuff on uh, Metro Morning with Andy Barry uh, on CBC. So, I, I you know, I, I, I think I've made my mark in, in the industry, especially within um, my community. And I I think at some point we we age, we, we become mature. Things need to be addressed in a more calm and collected um, manner. Let's let's have this discussion. Well, if you would be interested in taking part in these calm and cool and informative conversations that are going to be happening, which I will also be a part of, Thursday, October 27th, uh, 8.30 to 4.30, it's going to be at Pickering Recreation Complex. If you want more details, can I give out the contact number? 416-707-1606. Four one six seven zero seven sixteen zero six. Not just another diversity conference. Not just any guest either. No. Denise Burnett. Thank you. Thank you so much, Desmond. It's been a pleasure. Uh, here too. It's <laughs> all the time we have for this afternoon. I want to thank Tony Tedesco, the producer of this show. Happy Thanksgiving, my man. Mike Trutler on the big board this week, making me and Denise and Philip Dwight Morgan and everyone else sound wonderful. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for giving us a little bit of your Thanksgiving Sunday.
please enjoy. Please be safe. Please connect with me in seven days. My name is Desmond Cole, and keep it locked here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010.